Private Lender Podcast, Episode 118. The Private Lender Podcast quote of the day comes to us from Jack Benny, who said, Try to save something while your salary is small. It's impossible to save after you begin to earn more. This is the Private Lender Podcast, the show that shares practical advice and know-how for new and seasoned lenders, from private mortgages on single-family houses to joint ventures on commercial projects and beyond. Discover details about investment vehicles that you won't find at your local bank or online broker. Listen and learn from private lenders and real estate investors, as well as from professionals and entrepreneurs, as they share the details, strategies, and the insight that allows for successful and prosperous lending. Now, get ready to increase your ROI. Here's your host, Keith Baker. Hello, Private Lender Nation, and welcome to episode 118 of the Private Lender Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Baker, and I'd like you to thank I'd like I'd like you, I'd like to thank you for sharing your time and your ears with me today. Maybe I need to slow it down a little bit. I'm getting a little excited. Hey, if you're looking for practical tips and advice on private lending and how to keep your money safe as a private lender, then you are in the right place. But if you want to learn from my mistakes so that you can avoid them, well then pull up a chair and pour yourself a drink, my friend, because this podcast is just for you. Today's episode, we're going to continue with the lesson from the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, specifically the second cure for a lean purse in the book, but I like to call it the second cure for a lean account. But before we get into the heart of the show, let's go ahead and do some housekeeping. And I'm going to direct you at this point in time to Facebook. Yes, the evil, evil empire, Facebook. There is a Facebook group for the Private Lender Podcast. It's open to the public and it is for lenders only. It's not for people looking to use private money or to establish connections with private lenders. It is for private lenders only. And you can go to the show notes page and click a link, or you can go to Facebook search groups for private lender podcast. Also, if you're very interested in becoming a private lender, but you're skeptical or hesitant, or you could use a little help to get you through your first handful of loans, there is an easy button you can press to get going on your private lending career. And you can partner with my friend Paul over at Inc. Lending and fund their loans on properties right here in the Houston area in one of the most lender-friendly states in this great country of ours. That's right. Paul and his team will vet the deals. They underwrite the loan and they put your money to work for you. And they even service the loan for you. And that's about as passive as you can get. So if you'd like to learn more, go to privatelenderpodcast.com forward slash Inc. That's I-N-K. Or you can go to the show notes page. Click the easy button, either place, enter your info. Paul will reach out to you, confirm a time when you guys can speak, and he'll tell you all about Inc.'s lending criteria, their loan process, and how you can begin profiting from loans on properties located in the greater Houston area, away from the coasts and the volatility in a very, very lender-friendly state. So let's get to the brass tacks of today's topic. It's another lesson from The Richest Man in Babylon, a book written by George Samuel Clayson. Today is going to be the third installment. Started it in November. I'm doing one a month. So November, the first of November was the first cure for a lean account. Uh, December was the first law of, of gold or, or wealth. And today we're going to be discussing the second cure for a lean account or a lean account balance. So let's get into, I guess I should stop and say like, like so many life lessons that we, we, we need to learn. This is something that we should heed. It's, it's one of these... Uh, situations where the principle is extremely simple, but we as humans seem to have trouble performing the execution. And I personally believe this is the, the lesson that I, I have the most trouble with personally is, is you know, executing. The ideas are not a, an issue or a problem. It's actually getting the ideas and thoughts into actions and then completed. More importantly, it's, to, it's completed. So to, to help illustrate this point, I'm, I'm going to beat on an old sports analogy. 
but it's one that, that I believe holds true no matter what sport or activity you speak of, whether it's a team sport, an individual sport, you know, something um, rugby to football all the way down to tennis or boxing uh, or even golf where, you know, you're well, not so much boxing, but with golf and tennis, you're, um, well, golf especially, you're playing against yourself. But that old adage, that old cliche is defense wins championships. If you don't believe me, check this out. I did a little research. Yeah, that's right. That's why it took so long to get this episode out. I, had to, I wanted to make sure to fact check everything before I got canceled and, and, and be accused of being a Trump supporter or a, a libtard. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm very you know, conscious of my, my image. <laughs> Let's go back to the 1919. Listen to me. I am old. Let's go back to the 2016 Green Bay Packers, and who had the 21st ranked defense in the NFL in 2016. In the first round of the playoffs, the Green Bay was able to come away with a victory over Dallas, 34-31. to 31. It's not often that you win a game when your opponent spins, spins, scores 31 points, but they were able to do it. They were able to sneak away, and it seems counterintuitive. But the next week, they went to the Atlanta Falcons, who had the 27th-ranked pass defense, but who put up 44 points against the Packers 21 in the NFC Championship game. Those Falcons went on to lead 21-3 at halftime in the Super Bowl, only to end up losing 28-34 to who? That's right, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots and the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Now, on average, 28 points is normally, on any given Sunday, is usually enough to win a football game. But simple math tells me and tells us that 34 is greater than 28. So after cratering early on, the Patriot, Patriot defense rallied and the offense came alive to be victorious. But the defense shut down the Falcons and they only scored another, what, three points? No, I'm sorry. No, they went, it, was, it, was, it was 21 to three. They ended up losing. They scored, they scored another seven points. But do you know who had the number one defense that year? The Patriots. So how, does, how do we bring championship defense into our everyday life, our earning ability, our job, our, our wealth management, our, our private lending, and, and you know, legacy creation? Because that's, that's, that's something that's key that I want to, to pass along is, is, is a legacy that has to be earned. It's not, it's not just going to be given to somebody. In a, in a, I've seen a lot of uh, trust fund babies lose everything because they never earned it and never had to work for it. So, but for me, legacy, that's where I'm coming from. That's my why, if you will. But the answer is simple. Again, the execution is extremely difficult. And that answer is just control your expenses, right? It's as simple as that. And so if you'll bear with me, I'm going to actually read the old school passage with thou and thus, and I'll try to, you know, modernize it as best I can. But I'd like to go ahead and just read straight out of the book, The Richest Man from Babylon, The Second Cure. For a lean purse is to control thy expenses. And some of the students have asked me this. How can a man keep one-tenth of all he earns in his purse when all, his coins, on all the coins he earns are not enough for his necessary expenses? So did Arkad, the teacher, address his students upon the second day. Yesterday, how many of thee carried lean purses? All of us answered the class. Yet you do not all earn the same. Some earn much more than others. Some have much larger families to support. Yet all purses were equally lean. Now I will tell you an unusual truth about men and the sons of men, and it is this, that what each of us calls our necessary expenses will always grow to equal our income unless we protest to the contrary. 
Confuse not the necessary expenses with thy desires. Each of you together with your good families have more desires than your earnings can gratify. Therefore, are your earnings spent to gratify these desires insofar as they will go? Still, these th- um, still you retain many ungratified desires. All men are burdened with more desires than they can gratify. Because of my wealth, you think I may grat- gratify every desire. That is a false idea. There are limits to my time. There are limits to my strength. There are limits to the distance I may travel. There are limits to what I may eat. There are limits to the zest with which I may enjoy. I say to you that just as weeds grow in a field wherever the farmer leaves space for their roots, even so freely do desires grow in men whenever there is a possibility of their being gratified. Your desires are a multitude, and those that you mayest gratify are but few. Study thoughtfully thy accustomed habits of living. Herein may be most often found certain accepted expenses that may wisely be reduced or eliminated. Let thy motto be 100% of appreciated value demanded for each coin spent. Therefore, engrave upon the clay each thing for which you desire to spend. Select those that are necessary and others that are possible through the expenditure of nine-tenths of your income. Cross out the rest and consider them but a part of that great multitude of desires that must go unsatisfied and regret them not. Budget then your necessary expenses. Touch not the one-tenth that is fattening your purse or your, your bank account. Let this be your great desire that is being fulfilled. Keep working with your budget. Keep adjusting it to help yourself and your family. Make it your first assistant in defending your fattening wallet or your fattening purse or your, your fattening bank account. Hereupon, one of the students wearing a robe of red and gold arose and said, I am a free man. I believe that it is my right to enjoy the good things of life. Therefore, I do rebel against the slavery of a budget, which determines just how much I may spend and for what. I feel it would take much pleasure from my life and make me little more than a pack ass to carry a burden. Pack ass, that's just a mule, right? Donkey. Mule donkey. To him, the teacher, Arkad, replied, Who, my friend, would determine your budget? Well, I would make it for myself, responded the protesting one. In that case, were a pack asked to budget his burden, would he include therein jewels and rugs and heavy bars of gold? Not so. He would include hay and grain and a bag of water for the desert trail. The purpose of a budget is to help your purse to fatten. It is to assist you to have your necessities and insofar as attainable, your other desires. It is to enable you to realize your most cherished desires by defending them from your casual wishes like a bright light in a dark cave your budget shows up shows up the leaks from your purse and enables you to stop them and control your expenditures for definite and gratifying purposes this then is the second cure for a lean purse budget thy expenses that thou mayest have coins to pay for your thy necessities to pay for thy enjoyments and to gratify thy worthwhile desires without spending more than nine tenths of your earnings and that is the second cure for a lean purse, read verbatim, right out of the richest man in Babylon. So what I want you to do right now is look at your spouse or your partner, or your child, your parent, or your friend, or even that stranger that you're sitting next to on the subway, six feet apart, in the eye right now. Point to the speaker from which you hear my voice, and I want you to think of Ricky Bobby and Talladega Nights and say, that just happened. <laughs> 
I'm not going to sit here and tell you my path to saving money and building wealth because number one, it's hard, really hard, and it takes commitment. And who am I to sit here and preach to something like that? I have my own issues with commitment, but I do know it takes commitment. I'm, I'm busting my ass to, to, to have the integrity in myself to keep that commitment. Two, I don't recommend anyone follow anyone else's path blindly. I mean, Allen Ginsberg has a great quote. He said, don't follow my path to extinction. And that's, uh, that's always stuck to me. But the other reason I'm not going to tell or sell you my path is that um, I haven't arrived at wealth just yet. I don't consider myself wealthy. To some, yes, absolutely. But my idea of wealth, there are many, many factors that comprise the sort of wealth that I, I desire. Financial is not just it. It's one aspect for sure. Uh, and while, you know, in my, my short time here, I've, I've found some abundance in some areas, uh, especially on the surface. It looks good, you know, looking out from out, looking in from without, but I have to admit I'm struggling to make any headway in some of the areas that, you know, that matter most. Um, it's my physical health, as you can see, still a bit overweight, although I'm, I'm dropping it slowly, but surely gaining it here and there letting it go, trying to be healthy, trying to be smart about it. I got issues with uh, my family and that's my family of origin, you know, where I came from. And also, you know, my family of choice. There's, uh, you know, it's not just death and divorce. There's a lot of other things, you know, that go along the way. And for me, family are the friends that you pick up along the way as well. So that's included in, in, in family, family of choice. And that's not going so well for me right now. So, and then there's my mental health and my mindfulness. And, and wrapped into that is uh, a huge component of that is, is, believe it or not, is self-esteem. And if anyone, uh, the guys especially, or women, if you have a spouse, a man, a husband that won't talk to you, go get a book by Terrence Real called I Don't Want to Talk About It. Dead serious. Changed my life. That's a free plug. I don't get anything for it. Terrence Real or Terrence Real, R-E-A-L. I don't want to talk about it. But anyway, before you go and find another podcast to listen to, I do want to tell you sort of how my story came about. And it's not, it doesn't go from A to B to C to D. You know, I went from A to B back to A. A to B to C back to A. You know, it was, I went through these waves, right? Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, well, after uh, college and everything, I, I started a contracting company, my first contracting company, or second one, actually. And out of college, I, you know, that didn't work out so well, so I went to work at Reliant Energy. I went to work at a bar, actually. We'll get to that some other time. Uh, the Volcano, Morningside and Bissonette, great place. Say hi to Pete while you're there. Tell him, tell him Keith said hello. Um, but I had a... I slugged it out at this entry level job at, at Reliant Energy and, and, and uh, you know, got married and then went back out on my own business and that failed uh, doing contracting work. And fortunately, long story short, I found a, a gig on working on oil rigs, working uh, measurement while drilling for Schlumberger. And I quickly found myself making real money. I was able to pay off a lot of debt, like my student loans, my truck. We paid cash for uh, you know, the starter kit for Mary Kay for my wife to start slinging um, you know, cosmetics. But then I, I quickly found myself, you know, almost living paycheck to paycheck. And I was making, I was making oil field money. I couldn't understand how. And it goes back to that lesson that, you know, your expenses will grow to meet your income unless you protest, unless you do something about it. And fortunately, around this time, I should say, I, I entered Dave, Dave Ramsey, or I should say entree, Dave, Dave Ramsey. Uh, somebody told me about his book. They took uh, one of his uh, total money makeovers at their church. In fact, I think it was my friend Matt out in Austin, Bolton. Thank you, sir. Anyway, I took the book, took the, uh, got the book from Amazon, started reading. Or before I even arrived, this was back before I was prime, I, my mom had called and I told her what my intentions were. And, and the funny thing was she chided me for wasting my money on Dave Ramsey's book. She didn't you know, really know who Dave was at the time. 
but she told me she you know you don't need a book you just, you just and she wrote down what I needed to do to to pay off my debt and to be able to save for my kids' college save for my my my, my wife's retirement you know, all that fun stuff and also put money away for vacations and house improvements all that kind of stuff and basically my mom's plan after I read Dave's book was a spinning image of Dave's debt snowball right you know start with the little the smallest one you know pay the minimums on the others and just you know get caught up it takes time it takes discipline it takes commitment but i found it funny that it was my mom's own advice and i had started i started on that she set me on that path so by the time I, dave's book came in i almost i almost skipped the section but i went ahead and and i went ahead and read it but the the beautiful thing about that book was that it helped me and and, and my wife at that time to begin thinking about our future and, and what it was going to take what we were going to have to do and again, I want to I want to caveat this and tell you that my progress was not in a straight line, onward and upward. It was up and down, two steps forward, one step back, you know, and sometimes one step forward, two steps back, with um, you know, paying for you know unnecessary expenses. I mean, let's let's face it. I'll give you a prime example. You know, we we put our life insurance policies in place once the kids were born, um, which we were very proud about. But then, you know, a few months later, we're starting to overextend our credit cards on vacations and unplanned and unnecessary things like dinners and designer shoes and perfume and guns and barbecue pits and the like. You see what I did there? It's not all her fault. I'm, I'm right there too. I, do, I don't blame it. You know, it's, we did that together. But nonetheless, Dave helped me see the light, got the ball rolling for me. Um, and once I, when I left the rigs and I came back into an office, I, you know, obviously I found myself wanting more. I wanted to earn more money, but I also wanted to do more with the money that I had. And fortunately, I was able to find a book called The Automatic Millionaire by David Bach. You may be familiar with it. But I immediately after finishing that book, I began increasing contributions to our re- retirement accounts and, and sought out online high-interest money market accounts for the cash that we were able to save when we saved it. You know, I was not consistent, but I always kept trying. I never, I never gave up. And what I was able to do was take that knowledge and courage from Dave Ramsey and David Bach and, and kept looking forward and pushing myself forward as well. You know, I began using the flexibility of 401k, company matches, profit sharing, and, and the like as negotiating tactics when, I, when it, tactics when I changed companies. Now, I wasn't very successful, but I was able to, with the big companies that is, because a lot of their benefits packages are, you know, pretty much set in stone and I wasn't an executive, so I wasn't going to change anybody's hearts or mind. But as, you know, I went on to other smaller adjusting firms, that became a leverage point. That became a negotiation point. That was, it was nice working for the smaller companies and having that ability. After that, I did well for a, a while until my father-in-law passed. Um, you know, we took, uh, we took on that, 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 that dead bur- or the, the burden of the cost of all that for, for my mother-in-law. That was our choice. She didn't ask. We did it ourselves. We decided to. Don't need the money back. Give it away, right? With no expectation of coming back. But then we moved to a nicer neighborhood for the schools, of course. But then there were bouts of unemployment and then, uh, not mine, but ultimately a divorce. And so, you know, like we all have our ups and downs. We all have unplanned expenses because they're around every corner. But you can get ready for it. You can, you can do something ahead of time to be, be better prepared. Maybe not fully prepared, but better prepared. And you know, an automatic millionaire, Bach discusses the latte factor, which I will paraphrase here. But if you, know, if you spend $5 a day on your way to work, uh, obviously this book was written before COVID, you know, on a cup of coffee at Starbucks or whatever on your way in. You'll spend roughly $1,185 over the course of the year, assuming one latte purchased every workday. There's 250 workdays in a year, but you take three weeks of vacation, so that's 15 workdays gone, leaving 237 workdays at $5. 
equals 1,185. And this formula really started to put things into perspective for me when I applied it to things that I bought. I spent or wasted my money on like tobacco, liquor, restaurants, and junk food. And it was funny, the junk food really adds up and it hides in the grocery budget, that, that cheeky little bastard. You got to watch out for the junk food. But the trick lies in bifurcating your expenses as either necessary you know, needs or the desires and wants. And if you can have the discipline, two types of discipline, you got to bifurcate your discipline as well. You got to bifurcate the expenses, set it out, and then have the discipline to, to only spend on the one and eliminate expense on the other. I need caffeine in the morning just like anyone else. And I always desire a, a, big, a large cafe mocha, but I'll take the, the $1 cup of Sumatra Keurig coffee from my kitchen on a daily basis. Cause it's a dollar and let's face it, it's got just as much. And I could put a little Hershey syrup in it if I want, cause I like the mocha. Right. But I don't do that, but I do splurge when I'm on, on vacation or if I travel for work, especially if it's, I travel for, if it's expensive, yeah, I'm going to go get me a $5 cup of coffee. You can, you can guarantee <laughs> You can you can guarantee that, but you know here's another anal- analysis. Here is you know I need a roof over my head and a home in which to raise my family. I mean that is a necessary expense. Everyone's got to live somewhere. That's the basic principle of real estate investing, right? Everyone's got to live somewhere. But I could have satisfied that need with you know renting uh, a small house or renting an apartment in a good school district, right? But my wife and and I at the time desired to buy a house in a popular neighborhood that had a pool, and like an idiot. I bought one. I, I, we bought it. Idiot. It took me in to, to getting in over my head on a house when my wife was unemployed to, to, for, for me to see that expenses, the expenses which I believed were necessary were anything but. You know, I need to eat lunch, but a combo meal at Subway is cheaper than a brisket sandwich. Keep in mind I'm in Texas. I mean, it's a choice. It's a decision that each of us make every day. And it's not easy to control yourself or your expenses, but it is necessary if you want to reach your goals, whatever they may be, whether it be a diet goal, a physical goal, you, know, you want to be ripped, you want to be rich, whatever, whatever your goal is. It's necessary to make these decisions and choose wisely. You know, I'd, I'd prefer to eat a few foot-long meals and then splurge on that brisket sandwich at Bucky's when I come home, right? That's what I, I try to do now. And, and I try to cook in din- lunch and dinner at home and eat it at home as much as I can. But I do like to, to splurge and take the kids to a restaurant as a treat or take them out for ice cream or whatever. You know, but I always tell them that we eat two cheap casseroles a week at home at night after soccer practice in order to earn that overpriced pizza or the enchiladas and the ice cream. And, you know, maybe go to the go-kart place or whatever. But, but I, don't, I don't want you just to stop thinking about it there, right? I mean, streaming. You need to stream. You need to have every streaming app under the sun or you just need a few you know, just need a few apps with a decent internet speed and you'll be okay. You know, I'm willing to bet if you sat down and really thought about your expenses and were honest about your true needs, you could find a lot of money in your budget to help you create the future that you want. We just have to decide to make it a priority and make it happen. And if you're still hearing my voice, then you can do it. You got this. I believe you can make it happen. You've made it this far and I hope this motivates you. Hey, here's the deal. I don't charge money for the show, but there is a cost. And I would be most grateful if you would help drive awareness to the show, get the word out by leaving me an honest rating and review over at iTunes specifically. But Google Podcasts or whatever platform you're using to hear my voice would be great. But so far, so good. So, I mean, so far, iTunes is still the 400-pound gorilla in the room. And that's where a lot of the... Um, a lot of the stuff is driven is from those numbers. So it doesn't take that long. And I believe it is a small price 
to pay for the value that I do try to bring in and provide to you, go to the show notes page. There'll be a few links and on how to, how to do, leave that rating and review. And again, yeah, I would love a five-star review, but I prefer an honest review. If I suck, tell me. If I can improve, tell me. Tell me what you liked. Tell me what you didn't. I'm dead serious. I appreciate it. And don't forget, if you're looking or you know someone who's looking to create a stable of private lenders or know people who have money but you know, aren't there yet to start lending, then they don't know the power of private lending, please, 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 please let them know about me. Send them a text, an email, a DM. Introduce them to the Private Lender Podcast. I will be forever grateful for, to you for that. So that's going to do it for episode 118. Just a few more final thoughts. Please go to Facebook, Private Lender Podcast Facebook group. Connect, answer a few questions, prove that you are serious about being a private lender and not just a scamster, a huckster, or someone trying to find private money, and I will let you in. And remember, there is an easy button the beginning your private lending journey. It's at privatelenderpodcast.com forward slash ink. That's I-N-K. So that's going to do it for 118. I'd like to thank everyone for staying in this far and hanging in there. It's a crazy year. It's a crazy January. We'll see what's going to happen on the 20th. I don't know, but we're going to find out. And as I sign off this evening, I'd like to say that in addition to self-awareness, I wish you safe and prosperous private lending. And I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Private Lender Podcast with your host, Keith Baker. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit privatelenderpodcast.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time. Idiot!